but that's kind of the, that's kind of the important bit is like connecting with people, you know, whether it's just through the taste or because they love everything about it, the story and who we are as a company. I mean, it's all, it's all important. You know, it, it's, I think it becomes greater than the sum of its parts. For sure. That was a very good explanation to a question that I was not expecting to come up. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so until you make it, I said, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, nobody's nobody's got a, a crystal ball, right? No. Um, and speaking of which, uh, you know, over the last, I mean, even the last, let's call it ten years, right? Um, there's been a lot that has changed in the alcohol industry, right? From you know, RTDs getting big to seltzers getting big to goodness gracious there there's there's been a lot of things that have happened a lot of trends they come and they go some stick around for a while how do you think that's impacted uh the products that you put out today stuff that you know you guys put out today that maybe you wouldn't have decided to add to your collection let's say 2012 2013 um i think the first thing was that we had to have the infrastructure to be able to even do anything like if we're going to try to stick with the times let's say we would have to have the infrastructure and that meant equipment so over the years we've been investing very very heavily into the equipment and technology that we have in production and that's given us the ability kind of like i said earlier about how having like glycol and bright tanks and counter pressure fillers and fillers to make carbonated meads and ciders and stuff had given us that opportunity to then expand into other meads and ciders and all that. Having that equipment has always just kind of, you know, we, we, we realized even then we couldn't really do anything unless we had the option to do anything. Um, and then we can kind of try and fail and try and succeed and all that. Um, I think that's just always been a part of our culture here to just constantly be developing new things and we've also, you know, always looked for inspiration outside of ourselves anyway. Like I just said, you know, like I've mentioned before about the, the Moscow Mule Seltzer, for example. It's like, you know, we go on the internet, we go, like, hey, what are some cool recipes for this drink or that drink and get inspired? So it's it's not at all uncomprehensible to think of us like evolving with the times. In fact, I think it's just the nature of, of what we do. We just want to make sure that when we do it, it's got a very distinct bee nectar fingerprint or D, you know, it has to still fit in our DNA. Like we said about the seltzers, like just to do another dry seltzer that's like the macro brands or like the, the smoothie level, sweet and big, like we needed it to be uniquely us, you know? Um, so if we go into RTDs or if we start doing a hard tea or if we do beers or if we do anything, we are, we're all, you know, we're not above following a trend from time to time, but we always have to look back and say, is this really us? You know, and if not, how do we make it us? And that's why sometimes we're a little late on some of these trends. But when we come out with it, we hope to be unique enough that we still find a place in the market. That is fantastic. So Zombie Killer being one of the best-selling beverages uh, that you guys sell, you've created uh, variations 
yeah. over the years. Um, do you guys expect to continue doing that? Is that something you guys are continuing to pursue to tweak the Definitely. recipe to give you special additions? Definitely. Because, I mean, look, the opportunities there, as I've said before, the, the, there's so many people I meet that have never heard of bee nectar, but they've heard of zombie killer. I feel like it would be a waste of that, call it goodwill, right? As a brand, as a company, you know, we have goodwill. There's value in the name zombie killer, right? And if we're going to just play around with this fruit or this fruit or whatever, we can do it as a zombie killer variant. And I, I kind of created a, a, a challenge, I think, back in the day when we first did this variance with our team. I said, look, we're going to do zombie killer variants. The rule is it's a cider based with honey and a fruit. And it has to be about this much residual sweetness and so on and about this much alcohol. And then basically like, go, let's, let's come up with stuff. Um, so what's cool is it's very easy for us to develop zombie killer variants and we can mix them up a lot. The other great thing is people recognize the brand uh, and, and they know that they can trust it. They, even if they don't even know who P-Nectar is, they can trust it. Um, I, I mean, I didn't invent this. I literally, I think my, my inspiration was from all of the other variants. I think New Holland really, I think, gave me the big idea was when they were doing all the, the Hatter variants, you know, they had the White Hatter and the Oak Hatter and whatever. And then they did the, uh, the Dragon's Milk and Raspberry Dragon's Milk. And I apologize if, if, if New Holland is not an imperial brand. I'm just saying, like, you know, you'd see somebody doing that and you go, oh, shit. It, it, obviously people know the Hatter series or they'll know like, you know, this brewery's line of whatever. And, you know, you throw cranberry in it or you throw a you know, cherry in it or whatever. And now it's a variant. It, I, I feel like it's low hanging fruit. And we, we, we are like any other company. We need revenue to survive. I mean, with inflation, we need to be able to give our staff raises and we got to be able to continuously invest in, new technology and R&D. And that comes from some of that low-hanging fruit, you know? Um, so yeah, we'll always continue to do things that are obviously uh, an easy slam dunk. For sure. So of all the variants of the zombie killer that you guys have made over the years, do you have one that stuck with you that you were like, mm, that's that that was a good one. That was a... What's yours, Lee? Ah, it's, it's probably a tie between the, the peach and the cranberry. Yes, and I was gonna say the blood orange. Oh yeah, is, I think one of my. I, I, I'm a. I'm, I grew up in South Florida, so I'm a, I'm a citrus kind of tropical fruit guy, I guess. And uh, yeah, so blood orange, but I'd also say the cran cranberry as well. And it's sad in a way because people will think usually like, oh, cranberry is like for the fall, you know, and fall and winter or something. But it's yeah. it is really good. I like the peach. Peach is yeah. good. I don't mean the you know ignore the peach but, uh, it's hard it's hard to pick it's like which no. of your children is your favorite you know people go what's your favorite and i'm like the one in my hand you know <laughs> i i try to avoid the uh the what's your favorite right now because like the, exactly that the uh I like picking a favorite kid but i figured if i narrowed it down to the the zombie killer maybe you'd have uh some ideas some thoughts it makes sense that question of what's your favorite or, you know, you go to a festival, what's your best one, you know, like from a perspective of a consumer, it definitely makes sense because 
we invest so heavily in these products day in and day out. Of course, we're going to see more granularity, more layers of, of resolution. And there's reasons we like this or that better. And what, but to the consumer that, you know, they're not doing this every day. It's not their job. It's not their art. It's not their passion. We're, you know, they're, they're looking for like, Hey, give me the one you think is going to best represent. I, mean, I always like to react to that is by saying, well, what flavors do you like? Do you like acidic? Do you like more sweet? You know, and then we can find the flavor for them because there's always something in our lineup for anybody who comes up to our table or walks into a retailer. There's always, yeah, there's always going to be variation. And and uh, that's why we do tastings and samplings, especially getting those liquid to lips to those uh, retailers, getting to those locations to taste it so that they can sample kind of everything. That's the yeah. goal. Um, especially with those session meads, because like people aren't sure. They're like, oh, I don't like mead. Well, what don't you like about mead? Well, my buddy made some. <laughs> well, my buddy made some. My buddy made bad beer, and I still like beer, right? Like, so it's important to get that that session meat into people's lips, so they can, so they can, they do know that they like meat. Absolutely, Absolutely. our 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 job, our business has been basically built around the the belief in in that we will always have to be educating the consumer, and to educate the consumer, the best approach is to first ask them questions and listen to them. Now you can't always do that on the shelf. So that's why we have to appeal to them in different ways there. But in person, we can actually fine tune it. Okay. What do you think is um, important when you are explaining to somebody who's maybe not familiar or maybe had one bad experience? Um, other than other than you know the inevitable like other than the obvious getting them to taste good mead what is something that you would suggest uh, would be a talking point to like well you know all right well let's just take a stout okay all right let's say let's say somebody's first and only experience with beer was a stout a dry roasty stout okay and they tried that stout and they go and somebody said here have a beer and they tried it and they go oh wow i don't like this maybe they don't like coffee they don't drink tea or anything like they drink this beer and they go ah no i don't like this somebody else comes up to them and say hey would you like a beer they go no i had one i like it i think i i have always gone to that analogy saying like look imagine if you've only had a stout but then somebody offers you a vienna lager you know or an oktoberfest or, you know, uh, a kettle sour. Like, they're so dramatically different. You can't just take the whole category of beer or mead or cider and just say one you didn't like means the rest are not going to like. You, you got to start with, well, what flavors do you like? Do you like dry or sweet? You know, there's always an opportunity to find something that somebody will like. And using that kind of stout analogy has always been a way for me to turn that person at a festival or whatever that looks at it and like, you know, wrinkles their nose at, you know, and I, and I, they look like they're about to walk away and then I can convert them into, okay, I'll try it every time. I love that. Uh, it's not that you don't like it. It's that you didn't like that one, that first right. one you tried. Right. And I say, look, there might be meads that I make you don't like. That's why I always go like, well, what do you like? What fruits do you like? Do you like cherry? Do you like it? Some people would come up to me Zombie killer. They go, well, what's your most popular? I go, zombie killer. And they go, well, what's in it? Like apple and cherry and honey. I don't like cherry. 
And I go, well, then maybe you should try something else. Well, no, I'll try that. And then they try it and they go, no, I don't like it. Well, like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> you know, you, you just told me you don't like chairs. So like, what do you, you know, what do you expect? Just because it's the most popular doesn't mean that you should try that one. Not all meat is Viking meat either, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we don't always need a, a, a drinking horn. Right. <laughs> Yeah, maybe in the past they may have tried something that was like 14% spill. And we make a lot of like sessionable, light, more uh, approachable meats. Ironically, I had never been to a Renaissance fair in my life until after we started the meadery. I had never, <laughs> I had never played Dungeons and Dragons. I had never read Beowulf. None of these things. I came at this because in the back of my book, with like recipes and everything and a technique on home brewing in the very back, there's a section on mead. I would have never known about it otherwise. So it doesn't have to be a Ren Faire D and D Beowulf kind of thing. No, you don't have to be a Viking to enjoy it. You can just be a normal average person that enjoys some good flavor. I want to be Bob Ross with straight hair because this is my canvas and it doesn't matter. We can paint whatever we want. They're just ingredients. We can make them dry. We can make them sweet. We can make it more of the fruit or more of the honey. You know, we have so much creative freedom when we develop this. You know, it's whatever we want to make. So we've talked a little bit about the specialty meads, the cider, the uh the beer, the seltzer, uh, obviously you're going to have to use different equipment to, to make any of those beverages and different processes um, for creating each of those. Uh, do you mind touching on that a little bit? Sure, sure. Um, you know, beer, obviously, I say obviously, but maybe not everybody knows it. With beer, we have to create the sugars using the, the grain, the malt. We have to convert those starches into sugars. So it does require totally different equipment uh, to get to that phase where we have our works, you know, our pre-fermented beer. Uh, fortunately, our relationship and, 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 and I don't know if I really use the word partnership, but the, the, the relationship we have with the Woodward Avenue Brewery and the, the joint effort that we've made uh, has given us access to that. We have a 15-barrel brew house here uh, that we're able to actually do the beers with. The seltzers and meads and ciders, however, they, they actually are a lot more similar than you might imagine. Um, we're, we're starting with sugar in the first place. When we're doing mead, we're, we're just taking honey and we're diluting it with water to with more or less water, depending on how much sugar we want to begin with. So in like the, the, the world of fermentation, we call that like our specific gravity, or it's also known as bricks or Play-Doh, but it's that, it's that how much sugar is in there for the, to the, for the yeast to consume. Um, so we can basically add either honey or straight up, you know, juices like apple, or in the case of seltzer, uh, granulated sugar you know, and, and get to the sweetness level, the sugar level that we want to be able to add the yeast and ferment. What makes us uniquely suitable to make seltzer though, unlike most of the breweries, we're very familiar with fermentation in an environment with very little nutrients for the yeast because honey lacks most of the nutrition that yeast need. So since before the metery ever started, my big learning curve was to figure out how to really 
fine-tuned nutrient doses to keep the yeast is extremely happy to make the best flavors you know, out of that. Because in, in a situation where the yeast don't have what they need, they have to synthesize um, those enzymes to convert the sugars using different molecules, different, you know, down to the atomic level. They have to synthesize those enzymes differently. And that means that there's different flavor byproducts and not all of those are very good. That's where you get like rotten egg character and stuff sometimes. So we've been doing this for over 15 years. So now we started fermenting just granulated sugar, you know, we're like, Oh yeah, that's easy. We, we got that. We got that down. And from that point forward, it actually is very, they're very, very similar the rest of the way. The biggest difference has more to do with, you know, solids that we might have to filter or centrifuge out in like apple, for example, whereas like granulated sugar has none and honey doesn't really have any. So those are kind of the bigger differences in the process. Um, but we really can utilize most of our equipment for all of the meads, the ciders and the seltzers. It's really only the beer where we really stray uh, farther from that. And, sure. you know, to add to that, we've been using hops in mead for over a decade anyway. So even adding hops into it in secondaries and stuff is not new. Um, but what we do sometimes is we, we have to develop unique processes for certain products that we are making, such as like, let's say kill all the golfers is actually one of my all time favorite things that we've made here. And probably one of the products that has evolved more than any other product, because infusing that tea into the product can happen in so many ways. You could do it before fermentation. You could do it cold. You could do it hot. You could do it anywhere in between. You could do it after fermentation, you know, and and all of those ways have a, an effect on the flavor that we get. Um, so, you know, while the fermentation and stuff is really similar and making the sugary water, let's just, you know, simplify it. You know, that's pretty common. But some of these things we want to add, lemon juice, for example, is very pulpy and it's hard to filter. And we've had to do all kinds of things from a procedure standpoint to figure out how to get better yields with, you know, breaking pulp down with pectins and then with tea, like, do we do it hot? Do we do it cold? Do we do it before fermentation, after fermentation? And the flavors change dramatically. And I, I'm not going to give away the farm here, but just last year, we, we really hit on, I think the best technique ever for the golfers. And we're so happy with it that moving forward, we want to see golfers become a bigger part of our production, uh, a bigger part of our lineup. In, in even in the sense that we're going to be developing variants on the golfers uh, in beyond what we've done in the past. Sure. That, that sounds super exciting. And there's a huge market for uh, golf related drinks in the state of Michigan, because there's a lot of golfers here. We got a lot of golf courses. Um, and I've heard the fermented teas are really starting to pick up or something. Is that, is that true? Uh, you know, we we sell some fermented teas. I think um, the low carbonation uh, plus social media in culmination with that. Yeah, uh, it's they, been around for a long time. And it just seems like recently I've heard somebody in it from the distribution world, not from Imperial. But yeah, they had said like, yeah, hard teas are really actually growing. And I, I kind of found that surprising seeing that like Twisted Tea had been around for so long. Yeah, it's not it's new. Hard. No, 
No, but, definitely not. But maybe tastes are, you know, flip flopping around. You know how it is. That plus, yeah, you know, I mean, social I feel media. Like tea was around even before the seltzer, like yeah. before uh, truly. You know, if you're looking at the the Boston Brewing portfolio, I think Twisted uh, Tea was, I think, first, wasn't it? Before uh, truly, or am I wrong? I don't know. So either way, they've both been around a long time. So anyway, it, it's yeah, and that's another example of us seeing a trend. And saying, well, how do we do our own unique take on that, for example? Absolutely. Well, and speaking of getting, uh, you know, specific beverages, specific places, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about where you want to see it on the shelf. But what kind of point of sale do you want to see alongside of it? POS, what I'd like to see is because, look, we're, we're, we're a tiny company, tiny company with big vision. Look at it that way. Um, we can do mass marketing, mass advertising. We try and go for all the social media. We try and hit people in their in their niches, right? If you're a big fan of this or a big fan of that, we try and really connect with people in their niches, not just go mass blanket marketing advertising. But we definitely know that point of sale, like right there at the opportunity where they have a chance to buy it, is really the best place to like remind them that you've heard of this or something. Um, so when we do these big launches out of, you know, like, for example, the, the seltzer brands uh, or like a lineup of new uh, tea variants, uh, colorful variants and new variety packs. We really want to make sure we're getting the most out of our POS opportunities as we can. And you never get what you don't ask for. So I think we just want everybody to be asking for you know, hey, can we put a sign up in your outdoor window? You know, yeah, we want window clings up and we want little things in the maybe the cooler door. But the problem is they block the view of all the other brands. A lot of retailers have different opinions out of them. If we can get anything, and it just depends on that retailer, that possibly even promotes any or all of the different brands. That maybe show the peanutter family, the peanutter, the patty craft, the barley doodle, and just show look, this is local. If you're in the Metro Detroit area, like people want to know this is made in Ferndale, uh, or it's made in Michigan if you're up in Petoskey or something, you know. But we want to make sure that we we look at every opportunity um, to to kind of get that brand out there and and to to do that launch successfully. You know, I think it's just going to help, and we're going to reinforce that on like the social media our newsletters and try and connect with those consumers, uh, you know, kind of in that indirect fashion. That's fantastic. Okay, um, I'm glad you <laughs> waiting no. for the director to say, yes, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, and then regarding the, if you had an option, right, would you prefer to see something like a window cling? Would you prefer to see like a full door, cling do you want it above the coolers do you want it on the the sign that says cold beer my number one requirement is to is to make sure that we're doing what that retailer wants like some people don't want certain things and you know i want to be sensitive to that i mean because ultimately we're there our job is to make sure that your account managers are making money and your job is to make sure that retailer is making money right so we need to make sure that that value is being added. You know, obviously, we want to sell more of our brand, but we don't want to necessarily pitch an approach that that guy just absolutely hates or that you know, woman who owns this store or whatever. Um, so I'm going, I'm, I'm with, I'll go with the flow. But um, 
realistically, any one of those could be an effective use. I obviously love to be where the, every customer is going to see it. So that front door window clean kind of thing makes sense. But once you get to the section you're going to, maybe that's where it makes more sense because there's so much advertising and marketing these days that, you know, I'm sure you're like me. You watch a YouTube video and all of a sudden it gets interrupted with a, a commercial. You can't wait till that countdown timer where you can hit skip ad, right? <laughs> right. You've just gotten used to looking away during the commercials and then you come back, right? We're all used to ignoring ads now. We're so bombarded. So I think the important thing is to kind of where does this make the most sense? And if you're going to go to the, you know, Mead Cider or Seltzer section, you know, how can I communicate to that customer in the best way to get them to understand the product in a, in a way that our can or our box or whatever doesn't already portray? And I think the local is big, you know, giving a little more description, like craft cocktail inspired hard seltzers made with real fruit. Like, you know, those few sentences that sometimes is all you really need to do, you know, and then they go, oh, now somebody's told me just a little bit more than they can put on the front of the packaging. I love it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Imperial Beverage Presents Another Round. This episode extended a little bit longer, but it's okay, it's a great story. Tune in next week for the rest of the story on Bee Nectar. Until next time, cheers. (laughs) 